And we have here Habakkuk was a prophet, and he was, he was praying a real similar prayer. In his own years, he's praying the same prayer that we should be praying today of the Lord, of, you know, working and working with the people. This was the prayer of this prophet, and it was his job to preach to the people and, and you know, to, to, to lead them to the Lord. You know, we should be preaching that same prayer that Habakkuk prayed, that Billy Graham prayed about bringing for the revival, bringing what the Lord has for us, of being in His service. Now the title of today's, today's message here is Living in Service for God. Living in Service for God. When I think about service, when you think about the word service, you immediately think about work, right? And I'll tell you, there's plenty of people in the world who they just hate work. They hate the idea of work. They hate to do work. You know, it's really surprising how much and how, how far they will work to get out of work. Kind of funny, isn't it? You know, I, I have plenty of coworkers who they just, they're just there to do the bare minimum of their job until they get the clock out and leave. They hate, they hate, uh, sh- they hate showing up. They're always complaining about it. You know what? It's so easy to develop that mentality of despising work so that, and you know, I'll tell you, the scripture says plenty about, you know, about not being that sluggard, about looking in the ant, about, you know, studying their ways, about how hard they work. And you know, it, if, if, you, if, you can't, uh, if you can't do an honest day's work and like that, how are you even going to begin to start uh, that extra, that, that service for the Lord, that, the work that he has for us? Let, let, let's open in prayer here. Lord, I ask and pray that you would, uh, you would uh, bless, bless the, the message today, Lord. Bless the, uh, the reading of your scriptures, of what you have for us in there. I ask and pray that you would uh, help me, give me the words that you want, you want to be spoken. Ask and pray that uh, we'd be challenged today, that we'd go out uh, with, with, in the front of our minds about doing your service, do, doing what you have your will for us, and that we would uh, be challenged to uh, devote ourselves harder than, harder than before to do, do service for you. I pray all these things in your name, amen. All right, I'll start out by telling you a little bit of story. This is a true story. It's about these, uh, these steamboats. These steamboats, they were gonna, they were taking one of those trips. This was back in the day when, uh, early in our country, where we would, uh, a lot of stuff would be delivered that way, and, and they they would run up the Mississippi. You know, maybe you've read Tom Sawyer or something. It's a big part of the, the that industry is a big part of that story. And there were these two steamboat steamboats, and they were leaving uh, Nashville, and they were gonna go all the way down to uh, New Orleans. That's that's where they were heading. And they kind of started out together, and they were kind of keeping the same pace. And, uh, you know, the, the, the river's only so wide, so they kind of were, were go, going together along. And, you know, something happened. They started getting competitive. They started, uh, they started the, crew, the crewmates were going past them, and they were, they were mocking the other ones, saying, oh, you're as slow as a snail, you know, you know we're making better time than you. So basically, it, it turned into a race at that point. It was very unofficial, but they, just, they were determined. Their competitive spirit took over. You know, I, I love a good competitive spirit, but, you know, sometimes it can, uh, it can get you in trouble when there's a job to be done. So I'll tell you what happened. They were going along, and if you're racing another boat, those things, they were, they were powered with, with coal, and they were using way more coal than you're normally supposed to use. They had plenty to get down to, to New Orleans on the journey, 
but they're giving, they're trying to keep the, you know, keep it burning hot. That's how you get the speed. And the more coal you in, the more work you're going to get out of it. So the one boat, they they were very close. They were almost making it. They realized they were about to run out of coal. They're like we got nuts, and you know the boat's getting ahead. They're a little bit behind now. They have no more coal, so they're uh, going to be drifting along. They don't. So then they had an idea. One of the mates, he took he took some of the cargo and he tossed it in in the fire. And he found out that it was burning just as good as the coal. So what did they start doing? They started throwing everything they could, everything that they could inside of the fire that was on the boat, whatever they could find, and they won the race. They, 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 got, they passed the other boat, and they made it there before them. They had won the race. You know, what do you think the problem is with that? They just burned up the entire cargo on the boat. They arrived in New Orleans empty-handed. They, the whole point of their journey was to deliver that cargo up there. Yeah, they made it all the way there. The, the boat was there. The crew was there. They made it. They even, you know, they won the race. They beat the other guys, but they didn't have the cargo. How much trouble do you think they, they uh, got in? I, I'm sure they were all fired immediately. And, you know, why do you think I'm telling you that story? You know, when we, we're, go, we're living our lives, and, you know, it's, a lot of times it's compared in scriptures to being a race. And when we get to that finish line, that's when we die, we, we go to heaven, that's the end of the finish line, that's the end of the race. So imagine if you get up there, and just like that steamboat, what did you do? What did you accomplish? There's, there's no cargo. What if you get there empty-handed? What did you do for the Lord of the service along the way? What service did you do on the way? That boat, that steamboat, they accomplished nothing. The race, the race was meaningless if they didn't bring the cargo. They weren't supposed to be racing, but that's how it ended up. I, I, I enjoyed that story. I mean, I, I was reading, I was like, they, when it started talking about their burning stuff, I was like, uh-oh, uh-oh, what are they doing? <laughs> All right, take in, uh, take in your Bibles and turn to, pay, turn, turn to Matthew chapter 25. You know, the Lord has given each of us ways that we can serve him. You know, each, each of us, we can serve him in... Uh, Unique and special different ways. Like I was talking about earlier, everyone builds that sandwich unique in a different way, and it's to everybody's liking. And you know what? The, the Lord, he has unique things that we can all do. Some of us, you know, we can uh, serve him through uh, the music ministry. Some of us, uh, you know, Sunday school teachers. Or some of us, uh, we can go out witness for others. Some of us can, uh, can uh, you, know, you know, devote much of our time in prayer and serve the Lord and just, just praying for our missionaries, praying for those in the church, your fellow brethren. It's a wonderful thing. Those, those are all great ways to serve him. And in, um, in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14, and we have here this, this parable that Jesus tells. And he tells it, it's about all, all, these, different, uh, all these different servants. I'm going to read that here for you real quick here. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his, to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and he made them other five talents." And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained another two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and uh, reckoneth with them. 
So he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. I was afraid, and went and hid my talent in the earth. Lo, there, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance, but from him that hath not shall be taken away, even that which he hath. And cast thee the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So Jesus gives this uh, parable here. And you know, it's, it's got all these different layers to it. Where you have this, uh, this Lord and he, he gives out this money to, the, to, the, to these servants, these different guys. And it says he gives them each a different uh, portion according to uh, what he considers to be the, uh, their, their level. What they're going to be able to do with it. And the whole goal here is they're supposed to they're supposed to use it to make more. You know, we, we, we live in a world where you got uh, you got different opportunities that you can do with money. There's uh, investments you can make. You you know, there's the the whole the whole big thing of the stock exchange and stuff. And you know, they you could take that money and maybe you could put it into a business. Maybe you can uh, take that money and uh, you know try and make something out of it. You know, you ever hold the hear the old saying? You got to spend money to make money. So they take, they take these different, and they do different things with them. And it's, the first two, they double what they had. You know, they double it, and then you got the last guy. He buried it in the ground. He did nothing. He completely wasted it. You know, the Lord gives us, uh, you know, this money. It's, it's called talents, and then I, I'll tell you, he gives us literal talents, different things that we, we can use to serve him. You know, it's a, it's a talent to be able to... Uh, to play an instrument. You know, it takes the work, but, you know, once you get it, it's, you can use that talent for the Lord. Anything from uh, speaking to, to speaking to others, you know, using that talent to the Lord, of, uh, that boldness to uh, go and tell others, go out, and, uh, go out and tell others about the Lord. You know, but sometimes we take and we bury those things in the ground, just like the thing. We hide them, we don't use them, we squander them. You know, that's exactly what this passage is warning against us doing. Let me tell you, uh, let me give you a little example here. Just, just, just a little something to put this in perspective. Something to help you out. James, if I came to you and I said, James, 
I, I, I have this plan. I have this, this, this business idea for you. And I say, James, I'm going to give you $10. And then James takes the money around. No, no, no. He, we got a plan for the money. I give him $10. I say, James, take this $10, and I want you to start a lemonade stand. You know, it's, it's a good way someone young like, like James, then maybe, maybe he can make a little bit out of it. So, James, you take the $10, and that's what you're going to spend to try to increase, increase the money. So you'll buy cups. You'll buy lemons. You've got to make sure you put some sugar in there. You don't want it to be too sour. You know, every, that, that ought to be it. He, he, he can get those things out of $10. He might even have a little bit left over, maybe to add something fancy, maybe get some limes to add some color. I don't know, maybe buy some ice cubes. So if James takes that money and he goes out, he, he sets up a good spot. He's, he goes out and he's like, you know what, I know a lot of people, they do jogging by here, people walking, it's a nice hot day, people are going to be ready, it's a good market for selling lemonade. James can probably sell enough lemonade, he can make it back, and then I come back to him, and then he, you know, he can give me back my money, and then maybe he can give me a little extra more out of, the, out of he earned. He worked towards it to make it more, but he started out, it was my money he used my money to make this business, so I'm going to come along and get my cut, right? That's the whole point of the business, the business idea here. Now, what if I give James the $10, and he doesn't, he, he takes the $10, and he doesn't go out and do the lemonade stand? I come back to him the next day. I was like, James, how were your sales this weekend? He says, well, you know what? It was really hot outside. I didn't feel like sitting out there all day. You know, I, I, I decided to stay in, you know. I was like, James, what are you doing? I was like, give me back my money. I was like, that, I was like if you're not going to use it, you know, I'll, I'll send it to someone else. I'll go talk to Steven. Steven will set up his lemonade stand. What if something like that happened? It's, it's no good to him. Now, what about this? Now, I'll give you another scenario. What if James takes the money, he buys the cups, he buys the lemons, he goes out there, he tries his best, but what if it rains? What if some, some things happen beyond his control? It rains, not a lot of people come by. No one's out going out enjoying the day in the rain and looking, oh, a lemonade stand. No, it's a typical thing that you'd think of. It's summertime, it's hot, I want lemonade stand. So James is out there. He, he works all day. He stays at his post. He's looking for those customers, but he makes basically nothing. What about that? What if I come back and he tells me, he's like, you know, I wasn't able to make it back. He's like, I don't, I don't even have the whole $10 anymore. He, we, we, he, he, did, he didn't break the bank. He, did, he didn't get nothing out of it. But, what, but you know, if, if, I was, if I was fair, I could recognize and see, you know what, he, he worked hard at it. He, he gave it his best shot. He, he did his work. You know, God gives us these talents stuff, is, and sometimes it's not going to work out. But, you know, God doesn't look at the, the numbers or the increase. of he, he's, he's more worried about how, how, it, how, how the effort we put forward. You know, you can go out and knock on 100 doors outside, inviting people in church. What if, you, what if no one shows up? What if no one comes in? Do you think, well, you know, it's, God's not even going to look at that and think as much. I, I, didn't, I didn't see even any increase. No, he's going to look at the effort you put in. He's, he knows your heart. He knows that you tried. You know, he might send the increase to other places. I, you know, I, I, I would hear Pastor Jerry often say, he said, we, we, we'd go out and knock the doors a lot often, and we'd, we'd, we'd end up having some visitors, and, and most of the time they weren't even people that we invited. You know, God sent them along. It wasn't necessarily, the increase wasn't necessarily going to come from the exact works. He just recognizes that, wants to, wants to, wants to make that for us, wants to, wants to go ahead of us. He wants to, uh, you know, bring, bring back, reward us for our service. You know, take, 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 a, take and turn to Judges chapter 7. 
Judges chapter 7. I say, maybe, maybe you don't always, maybe you look at what God has given you and you don't always see it as much. Maybe you think, you know, what can I do with this? How, how, could, how could I really make a difference for the Lord? In Judges chap, chapter 7, in, uh, in verse 4, And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down unto the water, and I will try them. For thee there and it shall be, that of whom I say unto thee, this shall go with thee, and the same shall go with thee, and of whoever, whoever, whosoever I say unto thee, this shall not go with thee, and the same shall not go. So he brought down the people unto the water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, Everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that... That, that boweth down upon his knees to drink, the number of them that lappeth, putting their hand to their mouth, were three hundred men, but as the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the three hundred men that lappeth will I save you, and deliver the Midianites into thine hands, and let all the other people go, every man unto his place." So we have here Gideon. He's preparing this army. He's preparing this army for the Lord. And he already doesn't feel like it's too much. He doesn't feel like that it's going to be enough. They're going after forces that outnumber them greatly. You know, God, he, he, he tells him to do this test. He takes him down. And he wants to see the, the, the people who, uh, they, they get down on these, and they cup the water, and they bring it to their mouth. The other people, they're not being aware of their surroundings. They're not looking around. They're not being careful you know, this is a time of war. You've got you to gotta keep lookout. And that's the way that God determines of which ones he's going to keep, which ones that are going to be the best, the best for getting the job done. So he, he whittles it down to 300. He only has 300 guys in his army going against this greater force. And, you know, Gideon, he doesn't feel like it's very much. You know, they end up, they go out and they take him out. The Lord wins the battle. Like I said before, you may feel like that, the, that you don't have much to, to present, to work for with, with, with God. But he gives the increase. He can take what you have, and as long as you're faithful like these men were, you know, he's, he's, he's going to bring a lot more out of it than you, you can ever imagine. God gets more glory out of those battles that seem like they're impossible. He gets more out, glory out of the battles that, you know, everyone looks around and they just, they, they can't understand you know, how it's going to work out in the end. On paper, this fight should have, it should have never gone in, in, in Gideon and his men's favor. But you know what? Because the army wasn't overwhelming, if they would have came in there with hundreds and thousands of guys and wiped them out, they'd be like, well, yeah, that makes sense, right? Now you get an army of just a measly 300, you get out there, then, then you can really see where the miracle is. You can really see what the Lord has done. Take, take in your Bibles and turn to, to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 19. My next point here is that in, in the service of the Lord, you, you might feel alone sometimes. You might feel like you're alone. You know, just like Gideon and his army, you know, there's not too many uh, compared to the rest of the world who, you know, are serving the Lord, who are seeking to do His favor. You might come down to uh, just that 300 and feel like it's not much, and that might make you feel alone. In 1 Kings chapter 19, 
in chapter 19, in verse 1, we have here, this is, uh, this is Elisha, and he starts feeling like he's alone as well. In verse 1, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Eli- Elijah ha- had, had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of, more, of, the life of one of them by, to, by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went, and went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belong, belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under the juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under the juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baked on the coals and a cruse of water at his, at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again in the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he rose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. So we have here Elijah, and he, he, just got done, uh, he just got done slaying all those prophets of Baal up, up, up when, they, when, he lit his, when they lit the altars, and they were praying down, and, and he, uh, he mocked them, and he, he, uh, he told them Baal was probably sleeping. He just did this great thing, but he was, he, he, then once again, he heard news that Je- Jezebel wanted him dead, wanted, he was, she was seeking after to kill him. And, you know, that's enough to discourage about anyone. So he flees out and he says, you know what, Lord? He's like, it's enough. To just, just, just let me die. Take it out. He's discouraged. He's, he's in a low place. You know, pastor just not too long ago was, was uh, preaching about that, that portion of scripture about, uh, about the, uh, the prophets of Baal and him slaying him and doing that great thing. But now he's down in a low valley. And you know what? God, God's still providing for him. He gives, it, he gives him the, the, this, this meat and drink, and drink to eat. And, you know, it, it's, it's amazing here that you find here, he, he eats it and he says, the angel tells him, rise and eat, that it's going to be a long journey, and it sustains him for 40 days. Reading on in verse 9, it says, And he came thither unto the cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, What, dost thou, what doest thou here, Elijah? And, and he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts for the children of Israel, have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. I even, I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and break, and break in pieces, and the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after a the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it 
that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. I, even I only, am left, and they, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and then thou comest appoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimsha, shalt thou appoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abedomihola, shalt thou anoint to be the prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazel shall, shall Jehu stay, and him... Shall slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees of which have not bowed unto Baal, and every munch with every mouth which hath not kissed him. So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with the twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelve. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and mother, and then I shall follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again for what I have done. Go back again for what have I done to thee. And he returned back with him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. So we have here this great story of he's in his low part. We talk about he's down in the valley. They're seeking his life. They're after him. You know, God sends him that encouragement. And he comes and God tells him himself. He says he feels like he's alone. He feels like he's the only one. Like I said, you may feel alone, but, you know, he encourages him. He tells him about, by name, these guys that are going to come up. He tells him about Elisha, Elisha who's going to take over for him someday. And he tells them about 7,000 in Israel who have not bowed before Baal. You know, they haven't served and they're still faithful to the Lord when he thinks he sees himself the only one. Sometimes we make our situation out to be worse than it is. Sometimes we, uh, we, just, we just feel like uh, throwing a whole pity party for ourselves. And, you know, we're the, we're the only one invited. But the Lord gets a hold of us and he, he, he shows us the goodness. You know, there's still others out there. Not just in the state of Oregon, but across this country, across this whole planet across the whole world, who are still faithful to the Lord, still faithful to his teachings, still out there spreading his word, just like in the day of Elijah here, still now to this day. And you know what? We get to see shortly after, like I said, he's got Elisha, is gonna, he casts his mantle upon him, and he's bringing back, and you know what? Elisha's ready to do, he's ready to do that service for the Lord. He takes, he kills the oxen, he burns up the plow. He throws a barbecue for his family. He kisses his parents goodbye. And you know what? That's it. He has nothing to go back to. He's literally burned all his bridges. He's going to go on and do that service for the Lord. He's going to follow. He ministers to Elijah. And you know what? He's going to do so much for the Lord after this. And you know, in just a little while ago, he was feeling like there was nobody left. Take over and 
Turn to Genesis chapter 6. We'll, we'll be over there next. I want to just encourage you today. You're not alone. You, you have your family, your church family here. You look around you now. Each and one of these folks, you know, they're here to pray for you, to help you, to minister together. You know, we're all, we're all in this together. You know, that's something that the, the world doesn't have. They don't understand. Sure, they have friends that, you know, they have their own, you know, their own uh, families by blood. They have friends, but, you know, those, you know how, how often do those friends stick around? How, are they going to stick? Are, do they don't often stick for the, you know, for the fin times, for the, for the times when it gets tough. But you know what? You have brothers and sisters in Christ who are going to be right there serve, serving with you, who are, who are still there. Genesis chapter 6 in verse, uh, in verse 8. You know, I was, I was just talking about uh, the, the, the family of God, and here we have a story of, of an actual family, and you know, God does something great with them. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was just a man and a perfect in generations, and Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within, without with pitch. And this, it, and this is the fashion of which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be three, 300 cubits, and the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou, uh, thou finish it above. And the door... Of the ark shall you set in the side thereof with lower, second, and third stories, shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life. From under the heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee I will establish my covenant. Thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons, and thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of flesh, two of every sort, shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female, of fowls every their kind, and of cattle every their kind, of, of every creeping thing of the earth. After his kind, two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And take Thou unto thee of all the food that is eaten, thou shalt gather it to thee. It shall be for the food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. So we have here, you got, you got Noah and his family, and you know, they're living in a wicked time. There's violence all over the earth, terrible things, you know, life of problems. You know, that sounds, sounds pretty familiar, right? It was, it was bad back it was bad back then for him. You know, I bet it was a whole lot worse than it is here now that, you know, the Lord had, had to take Noah and his family and start over. But, you know, can you, can you imagine being Noah? You know, he, it's, it's, he, he still served the Lord in this time when no one else was. But can you imagine him and the responsibility that was just placed off of him and his family, that they're going to serve the Lord in this way, that they're going to be the last ones to carry on 
the whole entire human race, like, like it started with Adam and Eve before, and now it's going to have to restart with them. You know, can you imagine the, the whole lot of pressure is, you know, building that big ark, getting it just right, getting all those animals, everything in? That can seem a little bit uh, overwhelming for, for them, don't you think? But you know what? They're doing it in the service of the Lord. They, they, as a family, they get, they get together, they get it done. You know what? They weren't perfect. They weren't a perfect family. But you know what? I, I just want, I, I want you to see here, you know, let it, let it start the service of the Lord with your own family from within there. Because you know what? We would, we, would like the, uh, we would like the world to, you know, kind of meet us a little more halfway. To kind of, you know, we want things to be better. But, you know, we can only start it with ourselves. And when it starts within ourselves, then it, then it goes out. It starts through our families and stuff. And, you know, that's all you can really control. You can only work at it from there. That, 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 that's all you, that's all you, that's all that the Lord can ask, that, that, that's all he asks from us, you know, about of starting with our own selves. And, you know, from there, God will give the increase there. You know, he, he's got, uh, for each of our families, he's got responsibilities of service for them. He's not going to ask us to go out back and start building a ark, thank goodness, but, you know, he's going to ask of us other things. For, uh, for ne- the, the next point, no, number three, God hasn't moved it's we who have moved. Taking your Bibles, turn to Psalms chapter 9. Psalms chapter 9. You know, this has been preached from this pulpit before about how we fall away from the Lord and how we can always get closer to, closer to Him. And He's, he's waiting for us to make those, uh, make those steps. You know, we, we, draw, we draw further away from Him and that hurts... Uh, that hurts our relationship, that hurts our service toward Him. In Psalms uh, chapter 9 and verse 10, And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, have not forsaken them that seek Him. The Lord doesn't forsake those who seek Him, those who look for Him, those who, uh, those who don't want to move away from the Lord. They want to move towards Him. A couple more verses I have for you, over quickly turning over to James chapter 4. Over in James in chapter 4, in verse, uh, one, in verse 7 through 8. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Once again, talking about drawing nigh to God, and he draws nigh to us. He gets closer as we get close to him. In Deuteronomy... Chapter 4. Going over there real quick. Deuteronomy chapter 4 in verse uh, 29. Starting in verse 29 to uh, verse 31. But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him, if thou seek him with all thy heart, with all thy soul. When thou art in tribulation, and all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God, and shalt be obedient unto his voice. For the Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swore unto thee. He, talk, he talks about there in those verses, he's not going to leave us or forsake us. 
We're, draw, we're drawing closer to Him. You know, ask yourself these questions. Are, are you seeking the Lord daily? Are you seeking to, to get closer to Him? Are you seeking to do His will as you get up in the morning, ask, asking, uh, asking what He has for you? I, I got a little story for you here, an, an, another story. It goes, it goes like this. There's this old couple, and they were uh, this, this older farm couple. They were driving along in the old pickup truck. You can picture that like, uh, like that one they'd have on the Waltons, the old dark green pickup truck driving along. You know, they were driving along, and the, uh, and, and the wife said to the husband, she said, you know, She's like, when we, when we were a little bit younger, we used to sit so close together as we rode along in the pickup truck. In the wintertime, it'd be cold, and we'd share a blanket together across our lap, you know. We'd, we'd sit in the, and I'd cuddle up close to you. And, you know, as they, they drove down a little bit further, the old man, he didn't say a thing, and then he fought for a second, and then he told her, well, I'm not the one who's moved. You know, you can't move over too much. He's in the driving seat. Well, what's he to do? You know, it's up to her. The passenger is driving along. He's not going to be moving. The, the steering wheel is stationary. He can't get closer to her. You know, it's the same way with God. You know, we're the ones who have to make that effort to put in. You know, God, he, he, he's the one sitting in the pastor. sit on. We have to get closer to him. And, you know, we get in our head. We think, you know, why, you know, it was so nice. It was so nice when I was closer to the Lord. It's like, why can't I get there? We have to put in that work. We got to move over. Makes us feel kind of silly. Does, does sound kind of silly of her to, to thinking. She gets this idea about, you know, what could it be? What could it be? Why, why, why don't we sit so close? It was her own choice. It was her own choice. She had to get closer to him. Uh, point number four, only God knows what you can do for him. You know, he's, he's got that plan mapped. He, he knows how it's going to go for you. He, know, he knows every from the beginning to the end for you. You know, only, only he knows how it's going to go. But you know what? If, if, if you don't, if you don't stand on the path, you don't serve him, you'll never know how far how far you can go for the Lord, what all you can do for Him, all, all the wonderful things you can do in His name. Will you serve Him all you can, or will you live for yourself? You know, it's, it's so much easier to let those things through, uh, that come along in life, those distractions that get on us, those distractions, you know. We, we, we have our schedules, our busy schedules that we keep. You know, how often do we uh, make time for the Lord? How often do we make time for Him in prayer and service and, you know, looking for those opportunities every day to uh, do something for Him? Those, uh, those different things that we, we need to get our priorities right, put God up front. You know, there's little opportunities to be a blessing all over. The other day I was over at, uh, I was over at Winco. And I, I was get, getting a few things for uh, the, the dinner today. And as I was uh, putting all my stuff in, uh, in my cart, I, I don't usually uh, use a cart, but I was, I was putting all those two liters in, so I wasn't going to be able to carry my arms. I was afraid I'd drop them. And uh, the lady behind me, if you've ever been to Winco, you know, they don't take, uh, they don't take credit cards. I think, I think they just take, they take cash, debit, and, uh, and checks. And, you know, people get stuck at the register like that. You know, they don't realize some people, uh, that's just how they usually pay for stuff. They don't uh, think about it. It was, it was this, uh, this older lady behind me and. uh I guess she, she only had a few things. She didn't. So, you know, I just stepped up. I said, let me just pay for your things. Let me just, just, uh, just pay for something. And she, she couldn't believe. Just, she was looking at me, just the shock in her face of why someone would, would do that. I mean, it was only just a couple items. It was only like around $20 things. But, you know, it was, I just saw the opportunity. I told her, I was like, she said, why on earth would you do that? I said, I just want to be a blessing for you. It's something that, that Jesus would want me to do. It's something that I can, I can just pass on a blessing to you, you know, just pass on that love to uh, our fellow man. You know, she was just so surprised. We we live in a we live in a world where people really want to, don't do that anymore. People don't uh, you know, look out for one another. They, 
If, if you don't have the love of Christ, you know, how, how can you have that love for, the fellow, for, uh, for your fellow man all over? Just looking for those opportunities every day to just do the service for him, just to, just to do something nice to be a blessing and then point them to Jesus Christ when they wonder why someone would take the time. You know, we got to make the, those sacrifices sometimes. Sacrifices are made when you're, when you're joining in the service of the Lord. Taking your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 28. Right at the start of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 28. Going to be over in uh, verse 16. Matthew chapter 28. This is right at the end of the book in verse 16. Jesus is, uh, he's, he's already come back and he's about to ascend back into heaven. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into the mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and he spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to serve all things whatsoever I have commanded you to do. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. You know, Jesus, he gave them that final, pros- that fi- final promise as he spoke to them face to face before he went off into heaven, before the, uh, the disciples ever saw him for the last time on this side of glory. And they, you know, he gave them those instructions to, to, do, his, to do his will, to serve him, to, uh, to go out and preach his word all over. They want, they, he wanted them to... Uh, he wanted them to go all, all over, not, not missing anyone, preaching, the, preaching his word to all over. You know, we're, we're given the same instructions to be, to be going about, to seeing those opportunities, to tell others about the Lord. Sometimes, you know, it's our own fears that will hold us back. Sometimes it's our own, uh, our own busyness, like I said, that we let other things get in the way. I mean, if it was the final instructions of Jesus, you know, it must be the most important of all. Uh, let, me, let me read for you one final story here, and then we'll close. This is, uh, I got it here on my phone here. This was... Uh, Maybe I don't. Maybe I don't have it saved. Oh, here it is. All right. It was in 1940. Professor J. Edwin Orr of of Wheaton uh, University. He led a group of theology students to England, where they visited sites of the great revivals. One of their stops was the Epworth uh, Rectory. The rectory now serves as the uh, as, as a museum, and it, it was formerly the home of uh, John Wesley, the, 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 famous, uh, the, 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 the famous preacher who led the, uh, who led the great, uh, in the 1700s, read, led a revival. And uh, as a man of prayer, Wesley, he would uh, often, he would often be uh, at his bedside in prayer, a constant, praying, praying for a revival, praying that the Lord would change it. You know, in his, in his bed, he brought, them, he brought these students to this place, 
and there were worn marks in the, in the, the carpet next to his bed where his knees, where he'd often be in prayer, spent hours just there praying for revival. You know, they came along and they, took, they, they were looking at them, and then they made their, their, they made their way out. And when they got down to the bus, he loaded up his students, and he realized one was missing. He went back up in the house, and he found this, uh, the, the, this young man. He was, he was praying in the same spots next to the bed. And when he came in, he overheard the, the student praying. He was just re- pleading repeatedly, praying, Do it again, Lord. Do it again. And would you do it with me? He came over, and he placed his hand on the, on the young man's shoulder. And he said, Son, it's time to leave. Everyone's on the bus. As they slowly went out, and uh, the, the young man, he got on the bus. That man was Billy Graham, and years later, he would uh, do it again, and he did it again with Billy Graham. You know, are, are we praying that same prayer? Are we praying that the Lord can do something for us? You know, we talk about the, all the time about the revivals that swept our nation before. You know, that revival, it starts with our own selves. It starts with our own personal prayers. Lord, revive me first, and then let me use that for others. Our final place in Scripture, turn to Habakkuk, if you would. Habakkuk chapter 3, and we have here Habakkuk was a prophet, and he was, he was praying a real similar prayer. Here we find it in the scriptures, in, uh, in chapter 3, in verse 2. O Lord, I have heard thy speech, and was afraid. O Lord, receive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in the wrath, remember mercy. In his own years, he's praying the same prayer that we should be praying today of the Lord, of, you know, working and working with the people. This was the prayer of this prophet, and it was his job to preach to the people and, and you know, to, to, to lead them to the Lord. You know, we should be preaching that same prayer that Habakkuk prayed, that Billy Graham prayed about bringing for the revival, bringing what the Lord has for us, of being in his service. You've been listening to a message from the pulpit of Town Center Baptist Church in Happy Valley, Oregon. We invite you to come visit us at 10505 Southeast 85th Avenue in Happy Valley. If we can be of help to you, please call us at 503-659-4494. We wish you God's very best.